Hello, everyone, and welcome to the debug log number 29. Shh, don't tell Obina. This is Andrew, and I'm sneaking in on this episode. Uh, I couldn't make the recording of this particular one, but I was so sad because it turned out great. I've listened to it already, and it was such an amazing episode. And it's all about game development interviews, and more importantly, how to master them. Uh, you know, because as you're getting into the industry, the biggest hurdle you have at first, if you want to work for a company, is proving to employers you know your potential the idea that you have skills that you're going to excel at their company on their projects you know and with all the rest of their uh, team so it's a it's a hard thing it's something everybody gets nervous about you know practically and just emotionally i guess so the guys talk about that they share their experiences both successes and failures they've had with interviews and they also talk about general best practices some the practical things you can learn from going in through it, you know, like the stuff you need to study up on, the actual, the hardcore subjects that, especially for a programming interview, you might go over. But then also just some general, uh, you know, philosophies and mindsets that going into that can help you just be conversational and have the confidence that you need to actually land a job. So, wonderful, wonderful episode. I'm jealous I wasn't there. and But these guys brought it home. So, without further ado, this is the Debug Log, episode 29. Um, yeah, so I've only had one interview, guys, and it was with Ryan and, or not Ryan, with uh, Obina and Andrew, so... Alohomora. All right, Harry Potter nerd. <laughs> You'd totally be Hermione. You're listening to The Debug Log, a podcast about Unity game development. My name's Obino Parra. I'm Zach Schneider. I'm Ryan Kilgore. And I'm Eduardo Castillo-Fernandez. Yeah, so today, uh, you know, I should actually note that we're missing Andrew today. I don't know if it's his throat or he's gotten fired. I don't know what's really wrong with him, but we're missing <laughs> him today. So it's just the, the four of us. Uh, and today we're going to talk about a really, really cool topic. And that's all about you know, game dev interviews. We're going to focus primarily on game development interviews, not like just your homegrown interview or, you know, how to be a banker interview. This is explicitly about game dev interviews where we've, you know, queried a bunch of friends, family members, everyone that's in the game industry. And we've really, you know, put together like the perfect package on what we think, you know, everything you need to know about a game dev interview. So, uh, you know, outside of the core pieces like of the interview, you know, what else goes into an interview or to a game dev interview? Oh, um, well, I'll tell you a lot of studying. I don't know. I feel like other interviews, like I talked to some friends outside of like uh, games and software development. And uh, just, you know, when you're switching jobs, a lot of time you get to sort of like bone up on your like your technical prowess because, you know, you're selling yourself to somebody new. They're going to start like, you know, picking at your your knowledge. And so. It's definitely one of those things where I feel like for game devs, it's like, okay, first thing I'm going to do is sit down and get my fundamentals back, you know, and then I, you know, compose up, you know, a list of companies I want to like try to work at and see like who's a like-minded, you know, maybe fit for me, that type of thing. So um, I definitely feel that that's something that separates game devs from uh, other sort of other interview types. That's true. Actually, let me take a step back and just, I guess, kind of outline the our, the core pieces of interview, you know, like from either whether you're interviewing at like, uh, you know, Google or some other company, some of the core pieces are like you first you have like your phone interview. Uh, they reach out to you after you like applied. Uh, and then sometimes there's oftentimes there's like a second phone interview or a Skype call or a video call or some kind of you know, second phone call. Um, and I guess some of this is depending on like how 
far you are from like the actual job location. Uh, and then they could follow it up with a maybe engineering test. If you're like an engineer or a design test or, you know, some art test where they ask to see, you know, some references of your art then on like a third piece. And then, you know, finally, they usually try to bring you on site if you're, you know, uh, if you're out of state applicant, they would probably fly you in. Uh, and then you do an on site interview or in person interview. Um, so those are like the core pieces of like the the four or five stages that you would see in most game dev interviews. Um, so yeah, in, in this podcast, we're not or in this episode, we're not really going to go into the all the intricacies of like interviewing at a company. Not like you know how to get your resume looking you know super fly or what to put in your cover letter. Uh, but we're just going to take do the, I do the over- have some tips for people. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, okay. get real to there. Cool. <laughs> Go, okay. So one of the like the main questions, uh, Eduardo, is like, when does the interviewing process really start? I would say that uh, it's not even when you have the first uh, phone call. Is as soon as you submit the application um, for the job, like when you submit your resume and your uh, cover letter. So you have to have in mind that. All the things that you put in your resume, uh, you should know and be able to talk about it if you have to, because um, <laughs> it's, it's really embarrassing if you say, oh, no, I, I know uh, this programming language. And, um, you know, sometimes in, in some uh, jobs, mostly um, startups and small companies, um, you are like full stack developer. And you have to control different parts of the of the development process, and they might need that programming language. So let's say SQL Server, um, SQL, and you haven't worked with that in ten years, and so mm-hmm. you don't remember. And they ask you, "Oh, but okay, write me a query or something," and you're like, "Ah, well, I really haven't worked with that in ten years." It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, be, exactly. Yeah, be honest uh, up front. You can put it in your resume, but um, be honest always and uh, don't be afraid to to be open to the interviewer. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I, I have like so many countless times that, that used to happen to me when I first started interviewing. Uh, like when, <laughs> after I graduated college, I used to put, you know, C++, C... And, you know, all these random languages that I, I touched, you know, in college. And then when I actually got to the interview, I was like, okay, tell me, you know, tell me all the differences between, you know, this language, the scheme versus, you know, some other procedural language or something like that. And then I would be like, <laughs> uh, I have no idea. It's been forever since I touched it. So, yeah, it's yeah. like a – yeah. go ahead. Sorry. I think I think it might the, – the actual process might even start sooner than that. Like with uh, with I guess the interview process because like uh, I guess when you when you look at when you're looking at the like the job post it says you must have this amount of experience um, I, I find that that's not always true it's kind of just to weed out the people who uh, who don't really uh, don't really want the job that bad or or aren't as confident in their abilities well but that's you um, that's they trying to take out some people and yeah. you're looking for a job. You still you still don't have the right. interaction. Well, I mean, you you submitting that application and showing that you you have you're taking the initiative and that you're you're showing your your uh, ability to I guess um, show show confidence 
is I guess where it starts for me at least. Yeah, um, I I think that depending on the position, I think you're right, Zach. Yeah. Like, there's some places, yeah, course, you know, yeah. if it's like obviously if it's like senior engineer and they're like, we want at least five years of experience. If you're like, I'm right out of school, they're gonna be like, no, okay, just right out of the box. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, but I mean, there's there's always that sort of classic chicken and egg thing with a. Uh, at least I felt this way with the game industry where it's like, you know, everybody wants two to three years experience, even for entry level. So how the hell are you supposed to get this experience anywhere? Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like you, you can't get in without experience, but nobody will give you experience to get in. So it's like, oh, well, crap. So, yeah, you're right. Sometimes you just got to go for it. A lot of times, you know, maybe you got to just highlight school projects, just show them some uh, – you get some of your own stuff you're doing that just shows – personal motivation to get things done um and then just you know be competent and you know create a nice organized resume that like showcases those talents yeah, um I, I think i think yeah you're right yeah i'm sorry I, th- I think that's really when where like indie developers and real indie game developers really get to shine with like as far as experience goes like that's where you can really put a lot of your time and effort that you've been putting on in your, like your personal projects or things outside of school or like you said open source projects that's like where you are able to leverage that experience you're gaining you know, maybe not in the professional world, but you still leverage it to maybe apply to some of these jobs that are requiring, you know, that chicken and egg type, you know, um, I guess the dichotomy between that, that experience yeah. barrier. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I, that's true. so yeah, I, I kind of skirted up and I said I, we weren't going to get into some of the intricacies of what we would put on a cover letter. But, you know, Eduardo and, and Ryan brought up some good points. So I was curious, like, what do you guys think? What should definitely go on your resume or definitely go on a cover letter or what you should never include in your uh, or exclude in your resume or cover letter? What are some tips and tricks you guys got for that? Well, in the resume, um, I always have the programming languages that you have, um, important technologies that uh, or software that you have used. Like, for example, in game development, if you have used... um, a game engine that's important, like Unreal, Unity, uh, they want to know that because that's what you're going to use in in the company. Um, what else? Previous experience job um, that you have yeah. or uh, and, uh, freelance jobs. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, yeah, I, I, I kind of like the format of. Um, I mean, again, this is open ended, but just like sort of the quick hits at the top, like Eduardo was saying, like, hey, what you know, development platforms, you know, what languages do you know, what maybe like development methodologies, debug methodologies, do you know, that type of thing, like, just as maybe some real quick bullet points, and then like, you know, work experience. Tell me the projects you've on, how you contributed to them. I mean, this is like some pretty basic resume stuff, but you know, in the game dev industry, I don't want to just see like, oh, worked on a team and did a bunch of stuff. No, like, tell me. You know, you uh, like increase efficiency of the memory pooling, and here's how you did it. You know, now don't go into like ad infinitum sort of details, <laughs> but you know, just give me a little, you know, overview. And then, you know, so list that sort of experience, and you know, and then maybe at the end, you know, maybe something just a little personal about yourself or something interesting. Even I don't know, just something to make you kind of stand out in somebody's head. But I'd also <laughs> say don't make this any longer than a page, maybe two pages maximum, because. I've seen four pages come in of a wall of text and I stop reading fast. I'm just like, whatever. He better interview well because I don't have time to sit here and read your thesis about, you know, yourself. So That's true. I would say two pages if you have a lot of jobs before or you're a senior game developer. Because if you're a junior or intermediate, you can put all your, your, um, you can put your resume in one page. 
That's true. Another, yeah. And actually, another, this is, since we're going into recommendations, another thing I recommend, uh, which is almost like a general tip as well, is keeping, like, if you research this company that you're applying to, like, get to know, if you can, get to know what stack they're using. Like, are they using Unity? Are they using Unreal? Are they using C Sharp? Are they using Unity Script or JavaScript? If you, the, you know, the more you know about their stack, the more you can cater your resume to, you know, really highlight you know, your skills and those things. Like, like you said, when he was, uh, Eduardo said, you know, mentioning the programming languages that you used or, you know, then I would like put the languages that are part of their stack higher on your, like top, closer to the top of your resume or the first things yeah. they read. You're like, if you're putting unit yeah. at the very bottom at the last thing, you know, it's not really as impactful as it could be if you put it as the first thing they read. So, yeah. Yeah. And not, not just tailor your, your resume to, uh, the company, but also to the position you're applying for. Yeah, that makes True. sense. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was at one job and yeah, we had, he, he, granted, he was a student. And I think actually some of their advisors said like, you know, just just put everything you know on your resume, put everything you know. And he came to where I was currently working. We were making like uh, web-based, you know, 3D multiplayer games. This was all in Unity and um, C Sharp and some Java. But like sure enough on his resume, he came in there with like, you know, it was like, you know, talking about bubbling up the right languages like C sharp, okay, C plus plus, and all of a sudden assembly. And I'm like, dude, no. <laughs> like, why we're making a browser-based Unity game? Assembly, no. And I'm like, come on, buddy. You really know assembly? Do I have to go through like some of these commands? Because I barely remember that stuff from school. Mm-hmm. And you, you come to find out, he's like, no, uh, absolutely not. And like, it, like it didn't count against him, but I'm just like, yeah, you might not want to do that because it's, you know, your, your advisor is trying to help you, but. Anybody, anybody practically is going to look at that and be like, no, that, that's a waste of space right there. So, Gotcha. Cool, cool. So, yeah, it seems like we we kind of beat that one in. <laughs> so, you know, I, I mean, outside mm-hmm. of like what we've mentioned, there's plenty of websites and tools out there that really go into like what to put in the resume and cover letter. Um, but, yeah, so I'm curious, like uh, one of the first parts of an interview for me has always been like a phone interview or like that first phone interview which at times can be really, really, really like nerve wracking, especially for a game dev position or professional game dev position. Um, so I wonder, do you guys have any like crazy stories about, you know, phone, I'm sure you do, <laughs> phone <laughs> interviews that you've been in and that like you weren't prepared for or things you did to prepare for them? I do. And it was actually with you, Obina. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so my boss, or well, my current boss now called me uh, while I was still in school to do my first phone interview and uh, I thought it was just going to be me talking to her about, you know, some of my past experiences and and possibly setting up a, a in-person interview. And she was, oh, well, I have my uh, lead programmer here. She's like, he wants to ask you a few questions. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, Obina just pops on, starts rattling off some questions. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm just standing outside class talking on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a bit crazy. I was really unprepared for that. But I mean, I think it went all right. That's funny. That's, yeah, that's actually a good point because uh, some of these phone interviews can be like with an HR person, whereas other ones could be with like an engineering team or engineering, you know, tech director or just a lead programmer. So you actually need it's actually best if you know what kind of interview you're getting into, like ask them like what or is like who's going to be on this call or is it going to be if they don't tell you, you know, who's going to be on you should ask like who's going to be on this phone interview so you can yeah. prepare, you know, prepare yourself for it. Yeah, it's a very good thing to be, know. Yeah, you don't want to be caught with your pants down and be like, oh, I'm doing a technically. Like you said, you're outside of a classroom or something. All of a sudden, you know, you're like, um, I'm in public and you know, not someplace I'm comfortable. And you, yeah, you're just you're not ready for it. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, definitely phone interviews. We do. I don't think we really <laughs> covered that. <laughs> well, um, yeah. But yeah. 
Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, with the phone interviews, um, you know, yeah, like you said, know, know who's calling you up. I mean, don't don't be afraid to, like, you know, just prep a little beforehand, you know, just kind of run yourself through some exercises, get a friend about stuff. I mean, this is kind of some, like, standard stuff as well. But, um, I mean, you know, the typical scenario is, like, you know, you'll get maybe, like, a recruiter, somebody up front, and then, you know, you may not even get technical right away because then they may say, oh, Pat, or, like, super technical. They may pass you off to, like, the tech director, and he'll just, like, sort of do a high-level all right, does this person sound like they've ever done anything before? Okay, great. Then they'll throw you to the wolves with the next phone call, which is like probably their engineering yeah. team, which will, you know, just, you know, run you through it. So, Yeah, that's actually a good point, Liz, just to, is to focus on that part of the phone interview. That first phone interview usually doesn't get that technical. And, and what they really want to hear is usually like your experience with games, you know, gaming, game programming, you know, or design. Just like basically your your comfortability or your comfort with like games and the game industry, uh, your comfort with your skills, whether just like talking about it, not even getting into technical terms or, you know, really getting into the weeds of anything, just like your comfort level with, you know, the position you're applying for. So just like, that's why it's good to always be prepared. Like just knowing, you know, putting them, getting them in the right mindset for it. Um, so you don't really have to read up on, you know, everything Java or everything C sharp or, you know, dive deep into technical books just know like be comfortable with where you are and what the position you are like being applying for or you're applying for so that's a good point um so yeah i guess after the first phone interview you usually sometimes get into a second phone interview and that is like ryan said with uh you know more of a technical director or technical or lead programmer and but sometimes i've had like actual skype calls where i'm doing a video chat with someone or a group of people or actually doing a programming test via Skype or something. Or, or Google Docs is one thing that I've done before. Yeah, me too. Um, so you guys want to talk a little bit about that and your, like what to expect, what to experience, <laughs> with how to prepare? Um, yeah, that's, that's nerve-wracking is the first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, just having like this live coding session with like, um, you know, somebody else on the other end, just like, you know, trying to walk you through that. And it's kind of tough too because – you know, it's not like a whiteboard where you can just like freeform draw things. It's like you're in this dock and just like, you know, whatever ASCII characters you can enter and sort of like format on the page. Uh, but it's always, you know, just nerve wracking to have that sort of coding on demand like that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like these are I feel like the, the Skype calls and the live programming over like uh, Google Docs. I think those are worse to me than the whiteboarding. And I feel like because there is all sometimes it's like the types of questions they ask are really, they're really weird. Some of, some of them are really easy, but some of them are like, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it feels a little more difficult because it's, it's less like critical thinking. Maybe it's more just hard on coding, which isn't a bad thing. It's just, to me, those are like the more difficult ones for me. And like when I get on a whiteboard, I can really, I feel like I'm more comfortable on a whiteboard, like standing in front of people and just talking out what's going on in my head. As yeah, I think to... it's I think what it is is it's easier to sort of um you know explain how you're thinking when you're in a whiteboard like but when you're on the keyboard like that it's much I think for me anyway it's tougher to just share like here's my thought process whereas I could like maybe draw little nodes and start making arrows that connect them really quickly exactly you know on, on the computer that's just you know it's it's cumbersome and then you start like yeah. fumbling over yourself and then it just sort of cascades that's true. <laughs> Cause even I think there's one point, there was one time a lady was like, uh, you know, just, you could write, she was like, you could even write pseudocode. And then my pseudocode started looking horrible. I was like, well, what is wrong with me? I can't even write, <laughs> you know, text pseudocode properly. It was the worst. Anyway, 
So yeah. Yeah, but the bad thing the bad thing about those Google Docs is that like Ryan said, you cannot explain your your uh train of thoughts. So what you write is what you're going what they're going to see. So add mm. comments. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> I was joking. But what uh, my but advice, actually my, I, oh, sorry, my advice for them would be um these questions are not going to be too long, so don't overthink it. I always think that um, they want you to write maybe one uh, method or two per question, or sometimes are questions that you can uh, just give a written answer, not a not a code, but maybe it's a concept question, things like that. It's not like yeah, you're, yeah. you're sitting in a in a computer and they leave you with a Oh, oh, write me this prototype or uh, a game or something in four hours. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be uh, less time, so the questions are going to be easier. Yeah, Actually, and usually... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Obito. Yeah, I'm sorry. Usually when the, in the test that I've taken, I guess one of my tips and tricks is they're usually asking for some data structure. It's like the answer is in like a simple data structure or maybe a little bit of recursion and that's it. You know, it's it's really simple. It's either a simple data structure or some basic premise of, of a language. So Yeah, don't overthink I think with, it. Yeah, they're really it's really yeah, you shouldn't overthink it and try to complicate the problem. Um, um actually it's part of it's probably Oh, go ahead, Zach. Uh, I mean, this probably isn't helping, but I mean, I've had some like horror interviews where like they gave me like super, super complicated algorithms to solve and they go, all right, you have two hours, but you're, uh, it's not really timed, but uh, you know, we recommend you be able to solve it in two hours. Go. Yeah. (laughs) And you look at it. And I mean, there there are problems that I would have problems solving today. They were just really, really rough. And I'm like, what what are you you guys are posting for an entry-level position? There's no reason for an entry-level person to be able to, like, I mean, there would be, but you're really asking for geniuses at this point. (laughs) So, yeah, I I think, yeah, I think that becomes like a question between like, what's a good interviewer Uh, or, you know, they could just be, it, it depends. Like if the... I guess if they're asking this with, you know, watching you or talking to you, they just maybe want to see how you progress through the problem. And like, it's, it's guaranteed, it's like a guaranteed to fail, but I want to see how you think through this problem. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Or if you, you can know. come up with another yeah. solution, maybe not the perfect solution, but uh, a, a walk around to see that, okay, this guy is a problem yeah. solver. He, he didn't give us our, <clears throat> our answer, but he, he got another one. <laughs> Here's how I'd hack it. <laughs> well, yeah, so the thing was they, they had avoided that by saying, oh, well, you can only use one array here. You have to re- reorganize it. It was like, it's crazy. I'm like, well, you guys are just like tying my one hand behind the back and then saying, go. <laughs> yeah. Like, granted, um, that's how I type anyways, but yeah, still. I've seen him. <laughs> what were you saying, Ryan? Oh, oh I was just saying, uh, like this actually kind of bleeds into sort of another step along the process, which is like, you know, you'll have your phone interviews that are conversational. Then, you know, at some point they may decide to send you a test. I mean, at least for engineering. Actually, and I've talked with some designers at work, and I think this occurs as well, where you'll get some sort of task they would like you to perform. And, you know, like, so it may be like just a coding test or a project test. Like, you know, hey, here's a bunch of coding questions, fill this out. Or, hey, I want you to write me sort of like a MOBA style control set and abilities for a character and then send us back the, you know, project or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, those, I, I've seen it run the gamut there. And sometimes they're timed like, hey, do this in six hours and send it back. 
or sometimes they're more free form. Like, Hey, here's the project goals. Um, we're pretty much going to give you the time you need. I mean, you know, if you take a month, we're going to expect a month's worth of work from you, you know, that type of thing, but they leave it a little more open-ended for you to like sort of, you know, uh, showcase yourself. Gotcha. So like for these engineering tests, uh, let's say, I guess specifically for the timed ones, like if they gave you like, uh, let's say you're saying like, if they gave you like three days, you should just, you know, do something that's commiserate with having three days of work. You say whatever you should, whatever you deliver should be like three days worth of work. Is that like the rule of thumb? Well, it's like just from experience and being on both sides of it, um, it's more one of those things where it's like if we give you a project and like say we say, well, there's no there's no real deadline. We'd like it as soon as you can get around to it. And if that takes you a week, then, you know, the longer you take, the more I'd expect from you. Right. So, you know, I've seen tests where it's like implement this one sort of gameplay mechanic. Well, you could just sit down and do spheres and, you know, primitives and then just functionally get the mechanic in there. But if that took you two weeks and then somebody else delivers the same, uh, delivers with the same request in a week and they've got like scoreboards that save out, the music track and some cool effects. You know what I mean? It's like they've really layered on a better experience. You know, I'm going to see one guy who's like taking longer to just get the minimum done versus somebody else who's, you know, taking the time to sort of enjoy the task. You know what I mean? Yeah, gotcha. And actually, that that's a good thing to stress, actually, for game dev, you know, interviews and for these engineering tests and for design tests, when someone hands you a task like this, I feel like you should really show your creativity because that's what the game field yes. and game industry is all about. So you should make your game fun, make whatever they tell you to do, make it as fun as you can, make it as cool as you can, just put in all your creativity and effort. Uh, you know, the, whatever you're going to do on this test should essentially be what you're, they're going to see and translate to whatever you're you'll be doing for them. So you definitely want to do as, you know, the best you can as far as visually, you know, the fun factor, you know, try to hit every aspect of the game um, in whatever task they give you. So yeah, yeah actually, Ryan, Ryan, as oh, a, go ahead, go ahead. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So like as an interviewer, when you, when you give somebody that task, do you, when they say they take two days to do it, do you look at it as if they spent eight hours a day on it? Or do you look at it as if, as if they spent more than that? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of tough. Like I, you know, I don't like, I don't know what people's situations are. So if I get something back in two, within like two days, you know, it, it, it all just depends on how it looks. Cause like, yeah, they could have, if they're maybe say a student on break, they could have had like eight, like, like you said, eight hours a day to do it. But if I'm somebody who's looking to transition jobs, I may have only had like maybe like four to six hours a night. I could have done it. I don't know. It's like, yeah, if, 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 if we send it to you Monday, and it comes back Wednesday pretty fast. And yeah, we're going to try to, you know, evaluate it as like, okay, yeah, you maybe just had a few hours each day to work on this. And let's reasonably, is this like a few hours a day worth of work? But, um, you know, I would much rather yeah, that's see a some- good oppor- That's a good opportunity for an editor script that calculates how much time the project's open. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. See, see how long you're taking there. But I mean, it's it's also one of these things where, like, at least in the circumstance I'm in right now, you've got the open endedness of it. Like, take take a little more time. Show me what you can do because you know I'd rather it take a little longer and then get something where I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, this this is you know something interesting to look at. You know, it's not like, oh yeah, it's again like 
the the cubes and the spheres are having a party and then they do this one little <laughs> trick and the game over you know not that fun good and another thing we, we shouldn't like kind of like sweep this under the rug but the whole purpose of this is you kind of like in competition with a whole bunch of other developers out yes. there that are wanting gunning for the same job you are so you don't want to just toss in just spheres or just just do what they ask you to do you want to go up above and beyond really um, especially if this is a job you really want and this is in the game industry that you really are excited to be a part of so you definitely want to go all out when you do these engineering tests and, and design tests and whatever what may whatever what have you i guess so yeah and those are usually the, oh sorry i was just gonna say no, go those ahead. are usually the more fun things to do be thankful when you get something like that and not like i was saying some of the other stuff i've had in the past where it's like you know you've got six hours to answer these questions and they're like Okay, and they're like word problems you just code up. It's like, oh, say you've got a circuit and it's got this resistors in it. What combination of resistors do you calculate to give you this amount of resistance in this circuit? And it's like, wow, this is some boring <laughs> ass shit right here. You know, it's like, wait a minute, what's that apply for? You know, yeah. So, yeah, but also I would say that when you're um, taking the test, remember that the questions are structured in a way that they can identify the level of experience that you have and expertise. So a way to take the test and in a smart way is start for the easiest questions. So you don't invest too much time in a harder question that you might not be able to solve. So just yeah. have that in mind. Yeah, get done what you can get done first. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So what will be All the right. next step, Ovina? So what's the next step? So, I mean, after I do an engineering test and if they say, you know, hey, this is amazing. You're you're the best person I've ever seen, Obina. Then they usually, you know, they would say, hey, come on out. Come out and see us. We'll, we'll invite you on site. And he's like, free trip. Honor us with your presence. Exactly. Yeah. Free trip. Oh, yeah. Those, those, San Francisco, I mean, here the, I come. Exactly. The, the on-sites are actually really, really fun for me. It's like that's where it's like you get to see the city. You get to you know see the company get to meet the people so it, it's it's non-stressful in that aspect but it's the day of of the actual on-site mm-hmm. interview where they bring you into the office and after you've met people and they sit you down and they start asking you all these engineering qu- questions that's when it gets real stressful um so yeah let's let's jump into that part of the uh the interview process actually uh i just just real quick before we do that uh you brought mm-hmm. up a good point there about like looking around at the city and area if if they let mm-hmm. you i would say um like see if you can get maybe an extra day in there like you know i kind of joked about like oh free trip but like especially if you're like I have done in the past, you move across the country, ask them for an extra day to check out the town. I mean, it's not like you're just freeloading and having fun. I mean, you kind of are on one hand, but that's gonna be mm-hmm. where you're gonna live. You know, it's like that's true. That's, that's part that's of the not equation. A small thing, yeah, it's part of the equation. If I come to this town, I want to know, hey, is it interesting? Or is there fun stuff to do? What's the food like? You know, hey, where's a cool bar I can hang out at or something like that? How much know? does it cost to live here? Exactly. Oh, really? <laughs> no, 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 I need no, no, to make no. triple? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That, that could help dictate. We're going into other other topics, but that helped dictate yeah. like how much you could ask for, how much you need, you know, for as a starting salary. Because that, that all that all is part of the equation. Um, but yeah, that was a good point, um, Ryan. Um, so yeah, on, on-site interview that 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 is the I guess that's like the last beast. That's the last part of the uh, equation before you know you would receive the offer or not. Um, so yeah, let's let's start with the beginning. Like, um, 
what kind of on like what's been like the on-site interview process for you, Ryan? I know you've been on a, a several yeah you know, the years of life. <laughs> yes, first they would show me their magnificent gas lamps that lit the programmery. Um, no. Uh, no, it's yeah, it's a lot of the, a lot of the on-sites are surprisingly. I mean, in structure, pretty similar. I mean, you can expect that you're gonna you're gonna show up, you know, maybe sometime not too early in the morning, say like maybe nine ish, ten ish, depending on their schedules. You know, you'll meet with the HR recruiter. You know, they'll kind of get you settled in. You know, get you like some water, snacks, whatever. Kind of let you know how the day is gonna go, and then you know, not too long after that, it's like, oh, here's gonna be the first set of firing squads that you're gonna face. And this is, um, you know, sort of more of an engineering perspective we're gonna give. But I mean, that's kind of how it's been for me is like, I'll know that I'll get there, say my hellos. And then first you're going to meet with X group. That's going to talk about this with you engineering wise, then Y group then Z group. And then, you know, after all the engineers, there's probably, you know, meet with some of the art leads and, um, you know, project <clears throat> product people just to get sort of a culture slash, you know, team feel for you. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of like the general flow of what I've found from a lot of these interviews. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So before, um, uh, I w- I want to tell before to say before you go to the um, inside interview, prepare yourself in this way. Study the company. Just not like you did for the phone interview. Better because now you're going to be talking to them, and you want to show the interest that you have for the job, for the company, for what they do, the culture. You have to study all that. Um, also remember to ask them the project that you'll be working on. So they see, oh, this guy is, is really eager to, to start working here and he has interest. Uh, prepare your portfolio so you can show them what you've been doing. Not like just telling them, showing them, um, which is even better. Um, so that that could increase the your chances to um, get the job. So and in addition, remember that in this uh, inside interview they want to see your personality. So don't be shy, and and just say hi. Uh, just be yeah, be confident and and uh, be yourself. They want to see uh, that you have passion for games. So that you probably have so because all game developers are gamers so yeah i mean they want to not just not just see if you have the knowledge but if you're a good fit for them exactly exactly because you could know a lot but if you're a toxic person and you always fight with your um co-workers they don't want a person like that so always be nice and um just be yourself absolutely Gotcha. Actually, you know, one thing I wanted to to touch on, just since we've all been on a couple of interviews and and especially in the game dev industry, um, I think we've touched on like studying material or, you know, being prepared, uh, but it's kind of been in like that nebulous, vague term. Like what? Because I mean, there's all there's like certain aspects of game dev that are going to 
you know, be part of almost any interview interview you go into, depending on the position, of course. Like from an engineering standpoint, I think is what we can most speak on. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, all of our artists and designers are kind of SOL because <laughs> we can't really give them that many tips. Uh, but for me, just for engineering, you know, there's a lot of topics, mainly like if you're doing like gameplay engineering, uh, it's helpful to at least read up on, you know, like, you know, AI or, you know, Dijkstra's, um, uh, you know, view frustrum there's like just different aspects you know vector 3d vector math you know there's if you're going to be working with 3d uh, especially in a 3d game could it be 2d then knowing some other 2d aspects like um sprite sheets you know just being able to talk about these things um in the interview so studying up on them learning about them if you're working on network games if this company is doing things that aren't going to be networked learn about some networking like basic networking uh, and you can learn that from our episodes so that's episode <laughs> there you four, go. five, six, one of those. So anyway, yeah <laughs> exactly so anyway just for those aspects because i'm i'm sure you know there's going to be some aspect of game dev um so just not you know keeping what you have as in your experience is is good but also it's always helpful to brush up on what you already know and what you do not know completely or, or fully um just I'd- learn about them I'd say if it's a Unity job, look at the uh, the Unity certification page and look at their learning material because all of that will give you a great, uh, I guess, uh, breadth of, of data for you to talk about. Yeah, now that they have yeah. that certification, I bet that all jobs are going to start asking for the same aspect that they have in their cer- certificate. So <laughs> those are the first that you have to study. <clears throat> right. Yeah, that'll. I, I think that you know, not to get off on too much of a tangent on that, but I think that yeah, that certification, depending on how they execute it, that could be a nice sort of cherry on top for candidates. Like if you know, if I'm looking at two people and they've got like some you know, like some good solid engineering slash computer science experience, you know, and they're, they're looking pretty similar on paper, but one's got the sort of certification for the environment. Yeah, that's going to be great because then I know that they can get in there. And it's like, you know, because good engineers can figure it out. But at the same time, I know this guy can hit the ground running and be like, you know, if we start talking about animation controllers and state machines and stuff, it's like this guy, you know, he's got that checked off. You know, somebody at least tested him for it for me. So, yeah. Yeah. All, all those certifications, whether it's, you know, MySQL or, you know, Oracle, you know, or any certification that you take, they're, they're really, in in essence, cherries on top. So they're, they're not like what defines the programmer, defines the engineer. So I think it's a nice to have, just like I think in most uh, most jobs you apply to, those certifications are like, you know, you know, recommended or preferred, not recommended or re- yeah, maybe they recommended, but also preferred. It's not really like a required Rarely yes, is it required. So, sometimes it's required, but so anyway, those are really nice to have. Uh, and I think, yeah, with Unity certification, you know, really blossoming now, I think a lot of like Eduardo say, a lot of employers are going to start looking at that and hoping people have that for at least to help in the interviewing process or weed out process, maybe, which hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just happened, so we can all scramble yeah. to get that at some point. Exactly. <laughs> Thankfully, we're gainfully employed right now, so yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, um, so yeah, this is a lot of, I think with the onsite, there's a lot of, you know, basic interview information that you guys probably know, but we'll just reiterate them. And that's like just being on time. That is so key. Like, uh, for the onsite, sometimes it could be the case where that's outside of your control. Maybe your, you know, your flight is late or something like that. But, but to Ryan's point, I think that's where you ask, you know, like, it would be nice to get in the night before or, you know, get in the day before, um, that we have time and not, you're not rushing to, um, get to the location. Uh, 
to that to that point as well, I would you know these are really just basic information. Just figure out know where that place is. Like drive to the place the night before if you can, the yeah. day before, uh, or you know sometime before the interview. Just know where the area is so you can get there on time. Because this uh, more often than not, this on site may not be in your your neck of the woods. So you need to know where the area is. Um. So yeah. Uh, oh. Um. I think this is what Ryan wrote in the notes is just prepare questions for the interviewers. And, and I think Eduardo touched on this, but uh, Ryan, you want to speak more on that? Yeah. Um, you know, so there, don't ever forget that these interviews are an opportunity for you to figure out the company and its people too. I mean, I'm guilty of it too. It always feels like it very much. So like you're the one under the spotlight and you are, but uh, to a degree they are too. It's very much so because I mean, if you get in there and it doesn't sound like they're making the games you want to make, if you know, the interviewers come in there and they just sort of seem like they don't care or sort of surly. I don't know. Just, you know, see how passionate they are about what they're doing and kind of what their interests are. You know, don't be afraid to, you know, not not the technical questions necessarily, but, you know, turn some of the other questions around on them. If they ask you, you know, like if you had like a million dollars, like and nobody was telling you what to do, what would you make? You know, it's like if you just had this huge almost infinite financial cash stream, what would you do with it? And then, you know, you say that and then ask them if they're just like, yeah, I guess I'd invest it and, you know, maybe just kind of see what the other game companies are doing and try to make some more money off. It's like, yeah, it's kind of boring. (laughs) All right. I'm sorry. That's kind of boring. Like just show like, turn it around, see what they're interested in. Are they just like towing the company line or are they just, you know, are they really like kind of passionate about what they're doing? So that was that was a recent pet peeve of mine. We, I interviewed a recently. <laughs> really it was just like, recent. Yeah, it was very like in the past week. It was just like you know, come on, man, show a little independent thought. I I was actually a billion dollars. I said I'd give him, and yeah, I would he invest. Did. He could make whatever he wanted. And like I said, it's like tell me you're gonna make a killer robot army. I'd be like, that's pretty cool. I hope you don't direct it at me, but that's pretty cool. So, yeah, I think what was Angie's response like a. Uh, a volcano layer or something like that? Yeah, like <laughs> so a, a volcanic layer for, you know, being evil a or something. secret volcano layer. Oh, yeah, yeah, which volcano. he told us about. So. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you just you just spilled the secret. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, another thing I think Eduardo touched on this earlier is just like being able to lack or try to relax, you know, be stay try to stay calm. Uh, it's going to be hard. Um, but, you know, I think um, – Actually, let's jump into that. Like, what are what are some of your uh, like pre-interview rituals, Eduardo? Like, what do you do to calm down? What do you do to you know get your zen before an interview? Dress uh, for success. Exactly. Dress for success. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> man, I have to, to wear a suit. My tie. Man, he's just clean. Everything perfect, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> Yeah, that that actually can can help for real. Like the more confident you feel about how you look and how you're, you know, how you're presenting yourself is actually can help, you know, your mentals, you know, and, and make you feel more comfortable and confident Absolutely, in that sense yeah. as well. So, mm-hmm. so was that it? Is that Eduardo? Yeah, that's just, it. No, that's you just it. try that's to it. look sexy. I don't need too much to relax. <laughs> He yeah, said, works, I don't man. Much to relax. <laughs> oh, you're so conceited. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Wish I had um, that so, yeah, so that, that's the pre. That, Go ahead. No, 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 I was just saying I wish I had that confidence. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's like the pregame, I guess, the pre- before the showtime. And then, and then you get the actual showtime when the first, uh, which is actually I haven't touched on. Like it could be, you could be doing like one-on-one interview or you could be doing on a, a you know, a panel of people that are interviewing. Uh, I think maybe Ryan did touch on this, but you know, that's. Firing what, squads. Yeah. Yeah. The firing remember. squad of, of interviews, <laughs> of interviewees. 
Um, so yeah. So what what happens during showtime? Like what what is what should you? How should someone approach the showtime when someone walks in and you know you've gotten your snacks and it's time to interview? Like what what should you be doing mentally or just you know physically <laughs> <laughs> during this process? Hello, anyone? Oh, anyone? Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I was I was getting the cat off the counter here. Hold on. <laughs> bothering me um oh yeah but i mean like during you know when it's showtime and you know they're grilling you i mean it's it's tough but like we're saying you know try to keep calm um you know just slow down listen don't be afraid to ask questions you know like when they start asking you to sort of like whiteboard things out um don't be afraid to think out loud don't be afraid again to ask the questions um because that's, you know, from the other end of the table, that, you know, that's what I want to see is like, you know, how do you think? What's your thought process? And that can actually help the interviewer direct things, too, because say maybe you start hitting a wall on something, but you're thinking out loud. They can kind of hear your thought process and they may say, well, what if we like looked at it this way? And then that may light up for you and they can see you're kind of a quick problem solver when given a slightly new bit of information, you know. So, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't. And also, don't be afraid to say you don't know something. This is another thing that kind of <laughs> recently got that's me impo- bothered. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's don't be afraid to say, listen, I don't know, but I'll try to walk through this with you. Because um, then at least the interviewer then knows, hey, okay, so this isn't their, like, wheelhouse or whatever. Um, but they're showing, a, you know, an interest into trying it. Um, and like at least knowing that it's not in their wheelhouse, I can say, okay, we'll give it a whirl and then we'll stop. But and it's really, you know, in my mind, no points against you because you've tried even though you didn't know. But if you're one of these people who is just like, yeah, I'm going to try to BS and bebop my way through it, it's just going to annoy me because we've wasted, you know, five, ten minutes of interview time just like sifting through your BS. So it, it just doesn't look good. Yeah. Can yeah. I say, Ryan, you sound like a super sweet interviewer still. <laughs> well, yeah, I, you know, t- take a try at it and we'll see how it goes and then we'll just stop yeah, yeah, no. like, okay, well, yeah well, <laughs> listen I've been through the grind on so many of these interviews that I mean I'm just kind of like I've started to think like what are we really gaining when you sit down and like just throw these rigorous like like hard rigid this is my script programming questions at people you want to delve into their knowledge but you know sitting here keep running through these like uh, you know, reverse a string in place using only these like standard library functions and pointers or something. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, but what did you really learn besides they memorized one of the classic interview questions? You know, it's like, yeah. start talking to them about systems and design and, you know, yeah, you, you want to touch on their technical knowledge. Like, say, okay, what data structures you might use? What algorithms? You know, you know, what's the efficiency of those algorithms? You know, like, what are some concerns that would go into, say, like, architecting a system this way? You know, um, because... I've just seen these places get down to this nitty gritty of like, you know, these real low level systems things or just like, it's like these, some of the engineers get this sort of like real like ego because they're in there in control and they know the answers to the questions and they're making people hop through all this stuff. And in the end, it's like, I really don't know what it accomplished. So to kind of wrap it up with this like rant, you know, it's like one of those things where I'd rather just explore the breadth of somebody's knowledge and their ability to sort of maybe adapt to things and figure things out than I would to just say like, man, reverse a string in place. Man. No, you didn't do it. Minus one. You know, it's like whatever. 
Yeah, actually, a good point. It's just like usually interviewers are, are the good interviewer at least is trying to find you know is, is really doing a breadth of you know trying to find the going for a breath and trying to see where you you know where you fit in in the company what what information you do know what information you do not know because it's rarely the case where you know everything uh there there's probably some leads out there that may know like a a really you know are really have domain expertise uh, on a particular subject so there, yeah. that could be the case but um rarely do you know everything and that's where they're trying to really just find where you where you land and 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 that's why it's really good to say you know i do not know this in in certain cases uh but you don't want to be like a lead trying to you know applying for a leads uh, uh server engineer or something like that and you don't know like what tcp and udp is so that's the, I yeah. think that's where you do, that's one thing you don't want to say you don't know about. Um, um, another another uh, thing that we wrote down here is just try to relevant or relate relevant experience, um, and that like that's like talking about you know maybe the open source project you've been working on or the game you've been working on or the mobile you know app that you've been you've published to to Steam or something like that. That's where you you start to bring in those those pieces of your your experience and your your past. Um, that you can relate to a particular question. Uh, one thing I do want to point out, though, is, is I don't like when people rant, when, when they go on these long-winded rants about their personal experience, um, which, I mean, I, I find I do see the value in some of those things, but sometimes they kind of belabor the point uh, and they try to take control of the interview. And that, that, that's what I think you should sometimes try to shy away from because it's easy to try to take over the interview. Uh, and that could, you know, be a negative sign for the interviewer. Um, so I, I would just keep it consistent, keep it concise, uh, get to your point and, and do elaborate if you need to. And sometimes the interviewer just ask you to elaborate on certain points if, if you know, they want to delve a little bit deeper. But, you know, when you when you get those times to uh, relate to relevant experience, I would definitely take every opportunity you can, but just not belabor the point. Yeah, that's a really good point, Alvina, um, because... A common question in a in an in person interview is, "Oh, tell us about yourself." They don't want to know mm-hmm. where you live or anything about your personal <laughs> life. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Say things related to work and your uh, experience. Maybe um, your college. What what did you learn in the college and what you focused on? But not. Oh, I like to to eat pizza. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, don't don't go in there doing that. I mean, like some some personal information, like oh, I'm in the area. I kind of like dig on this. That, that, there's nothing wrong with that sort of at the end of the interview. But yeah, you know, don't don't go on and don't yeah, don't just say I like pizza because <laughs> <laughs> I like pizza. I like pizza. <laughs> I like pizza. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. Very good. So yeah, another another uh, note that we've got here. I think we've we've actually. Our notes are pretty good because we, we put down some really good points. Another one was focus the interview on what you can do for the company instead of what you're going to do for or what they can do for you. Um, that That's actually a key for the questions that you ask. Uh, sometimes people ask, you know, these really off the wall questions like, uh, you know, where can I sit? Can I have a window seat or, you know, can I sit in my own <laughs> office? You know, you don't want, don't want to ask those kind of questions, but, you know, instead... Um, what well, maybe not for the question you asked at the end, but just like you want to focus. Uh, you never want to answer a question where you're like the primary focus. Or um, again, you do want to touch on your relevant experience, but again, you want to. This is uh, also for you know how you cater your cover letter and stuff as well. But you don't want to. You want to focus on what you can do for the company and and how you guys can contribute. Uh, basically, by experience, like expounding on your knowledge and your experience and your past. Uh, projects and that's how you would do that yeah or for example um, um and yeah this is a, a good 
this is why you need to to know about their their uh, products and and games and stuff like that because one point that you can have in favor is saying oh you know this project um i would improve it by changing um i don't know taking out some characters and putting here a wall and having this type of gameplay and mechanics and stuff like that and that's impressive for them because they're not expecting that from you so just have that in mind have always something a, a way to improve uh, or their website or their games, whatever, but show that you're interested in the company. Yeah, actually, I got a pretty cool, I guess, a little I don't know, anecdote or whatever you call it. But uh, well, it's not really that. It's just a story about a buddy of mine who's a QA manager. And, you know, during his hiring process, you know, he sees a lot of people through there and talks to him. But he said he, he actually remembered one candidate. And I think he hired him. Um, because he came into the interview and he'd, you know, he'd used the, pro- like he'd used the product we'd been working on. And he even came in with a list of bugs he, or a list of things he thought were bugs. Like he'd used it and like actually documented kind of, he'd sort of done like a, I guess a demo or a test of his job. He's just like, Hey, and I found these like five things I think might be wrong when I was using the thing. And he was like, wow, that's pretty awesome. You not only did you use it, you were using it in the mindset of what your job would be. And, you know, you came to me and, you know, sort of showcase that real fast. So it's pretty neat. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I think our, our last point, which I think is one of the, it should be like the highlight. <laughs> this is a really good one. And that is to show your passion instead of your fear. It, it's easy to get, you know, fearful during this interview process, the onsite interview process. Um, but like Ryan said earlier, it's, you know, you're in, a, and I think he even mentioned this in our, one of our GDC or one of our episodes, just, you're in a room with other game developers, other, you know, people who are really enthusiastic about games. So it's, you know, it should be, you have a commonality there. So it's easy to, you know, it should be easy to speak to them, talk to them about the games you're playing, about how you like gameplay, how you dislike certain gameplay and, and relating that to your experience in maybe games that you've created or games you've played. Uh, just, you know, just feed off your passion for games. Cause that's, that's really where you're going to sell yourself. Um, you know, because everyone has like that base knowledge of, you know, how C-sharp objects work or how garbage collection works. And, and you'll get that from a lot of different in- engineers. Again, this is from an engineering standpoint, but you'll get that from a lot of people. But what you don't get from every engineer is the passion they have for games. Like they could just be, you know, they just could like writing codes and just could be a code monkey and don't really enjoy games like you do. So I think that's what a real company, a real interview will see that passion for game. That's really going to make you shine above the, the rest um, um, because that, that's what's going to make their games good. That's what games is all about is making something that's fun, interesting, creative. So if they see that in someone that has a passion for games, that's going to sell a lot more than someone who could just write a great for loop, you know? <laughs> so I think that, that I think that's where you really get to show. <laughs> what was that? It was a magnificent for loop. Look at it. Exactly. <laughs> Look at mine. So well. <laughs> no, I get you though, man. Yeah, exactly. You could be like the guru of algorithms, which is great to have on board. But at the same time, I mean, like consumers, that's not what they see. You know, they see cool gameplay features. They know when it feels tight or snappy or looks great. You know, it's like they have a much more visceral sort of experience with it. It's you know, not this technical level thing. It was, oh, you know, that memory management was through the roof on that game. You know, it's the, the, that type of stuff is the, the, the stuff that, you know, if you're doing it right, nobody notices, you know. Cool. cool. 
I think we I think we covered all the bases. I think yeah. people that listen to this will feel like they've mastered game dev interviews. Or at least so know what to expect, maybe. That or be overloaded by info. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> hey, man, let us know when you get it's the job. crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Let us know when you get the job. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, so this week we're not going to have a, a game of the week. Uh, I think we're two weeks in a row where no game of the weeks. And I'm going to say because we're preparing our awesome game of the week little stinger sound. And I'm going to put that on Andrew. So, hopefully, he can do that by our next episode. If it doesn't fall, it's his fault. <laughs> uh cool so uh just uh, again to reiterate uh we do have our wonderful facebook group which is the lounge um uh, to join that you can just go to our website at uh www.debuglog.com um and sign up for our newsletter there eduardo's been really 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 good about sending invites out to the lounge uh once you sign up for the newsletter so do that um, you could also send us an email at thedebuglog at gmail.com and we can add you that way. Um, outside of that, you can reach us on Twitter and I'm at OBeans. That's O with a H, Beans with a Z. Oh, wait, Zach's not on Twitter. That's right. <laughs> I'm at R.E. Kilgore. And I'm Eduardo CF1989. XXX420. No. XXX420. Cool. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. See you next time, guys. See you guys. See you in an interview, maybe.